Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you've got your Bible with you today, would you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 17th chapter. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to share with you today from a text that is a text that I'm going to probably assume that you are semi-familiar with. Um, because, And the reason I say semi-familiar with is because I'm going to share with you an excerpt of Scripture, and you're going to say, oh yes, I've heard that so many times before. But what we're less familiar with is the context both before and after this one statement that we so often extract from Scripture and we quote, and it's one of those bumper sticker, refrigerator magnet type verses with which we're all so familiar, but we seldom understand the fuller context and meaning of what's being said. So today I want to walk through that because this, this passage today has a plot twist. Everybody say plot twist. You, you love a good plot twist, don't you? You know, when you're, when you're looking at something, you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. You're not going to be expecting where Jesus takes us today in our study of the Word. So uh, grab a Bible and a notepad, hang on tight, and let's go. So how many of, uh, of us here today have ever asked God for more faith? Just, just, God, give me more faith. You know, maybe you were in a really difficult situation. It was a tough season. You were praying for something big, believing for something miraculous. And in that moment of tension, you spoke the words and said, Lord, increase my faith. Help me, help me grow in my faith. Now, if that sounds like something that you've done before, believe me when I say that you're in very good company. You're in very good company. I, I, I personally cannot tell you the number of times in my life that I have faced situations or that I've felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do something, to be something, to develop habits in my own life. And, you know, I have called out in those moments, the cry of my heart was, Lord, increase my faith. Or as one man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Let, let faith begin to rise. And, you know, it's good that we pray that because faith brings us to life. Faith sustains us. Faith raises us up when everything around us is falling apart. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear Jesus say, and here's the very familiar portion of this scripture, that, that we're going to hear Jesus say that mountains are moved by a mustard seed's faith. By faith, the size of a mustard seed, miracles happen. The Apostle Paul teaches us that we are to live by faith and not by sight. As you may have imagined by now, the faith is the main theme of our passage today from Luke 17. As Jesus deals with his disciples in their lack of understanding or misunderstanding of the faith that Jesus is teaching. And you know what? I think there's a little bit of resident misunderstanding in all of us at times as it relates to faith and and what that actually is and how to utilize or stand in faith um as we look forward into 2023 we have and we will continue to press you and encourage you to look to god with great expectation 
And I know there are things in your life that you might expect to receive or you sense you're being called towards and you feel that it's going to require a greater measure of faith than you've ever had before. I want to encourage you today with this thought as we get started here. It may not take more faith than you already have. You may have enough right now in this moment. As you're looking ahead and you're seeing giants, you're seeing mountains, you're seeing you know, things that seem impassable and impossible, I'm here to say to you today that you may have the measure of faith right now resident in your heart and your life that is required for what's ahead of you. Now, this is, this is an interesting passage, as I said, with quite a plot twist. And as we get started today, it's important to take a look at what's happening. I told you I wanted to contextualize this statement so we have a great understanding of what Jesus is saying. So uh, Luke's Gospel, 17th chapter, beginning in verse 1, we are going to hear Jesus say that it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. So the instruction to the, to the disciples is this. Listen, you, if you've been to Faith Assembly Church any length of time, you have heard me say more than one time that I wish that to the new believer, to the new convert, I could welcome them into the family of God and I could say to them, listen, you've given your heart and life to Jesus and because of this decision there's never going to be any more temptation in your way there's never going to be any more trial there's never going to be any more hardship there's never going to be any more problem it's just roses and sunshine from here on out and we're just going to wait until Jesus comes to take us home but the sad reality is that that is not the case and, and, and the greater reality is this, that faith doesn't grow in the absence of problems. It's in the time of testing and the time of trial that our faith really begins to grow and develop. That's why we are still here, not of the world, but in the world. And that's because we're going to find situations and places in life where the Lord is really going to be able to increase our faith. Okay? But it's going to come in an interesting way, not just because we stand around and ask for it. But, but Jesus said to them, it's impossible that no offense comes. We live in a broken world. Offense is coming. Okay? Prepare. This, this generation seems to be alarmed, and we wear offense like it's some kind of merit badge. We all want to be offended over something. Um, but, it, you know, it's just the nature of the world we live in. Don't be surprised by it. But Jesus says, woe to him through whom they do come. In other words, they're going to come, but you don't want to be the person who's bringing offense and hardship or leading younger Christians to sin or setting up stumbling blocks in front of your brothers and sisters. You don't want to be that person because, Jesus continues, for that person it would be better if a millstone was hung around their neck and they were cast into the sea. It would just be a better end for them than to, than to offend one of these little ones, Jesus says. Jesus continues and says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Well, that's good. We can do that one time. But you know, Pastor, I've got my limits. I've got my thresholds. I'm only human. And I'm not here today to suggest to you that you position yourself in places where you will knowingly be abused 
or, or, or mistreated or anything like that. But the scripture is clear here and Jesus continues and says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent or please forgive me, then you shall forgive him. So here we've got Jesus sharing with his disciples some very rudimentary principles of faith, all right? Live a righteous life, number one, and live such a life of righteousness that it inspires others to the same. Don't live a life that's going to be a stumbling block to other people. Is is that what we get out of the text, okay? So there we are, very basic fundamental parts of Christianity. And then Jesus continues with a very, another great building block of faith, and that is, you have been forgiven much, so therefore it's anticipated of us that we would be a forgiving people. So how do the disciples respond to Jesus' teaching on this subject matter? It seems like they'd say, yeah, that, that sounds basic enough to everything else you've told us. We're gonna, we'll start there. No, no. They respond by saying, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. I don't, I don't know if we can do this or not. Increase our faith. And in this verse, what, what we see Jesus presenting the disciples here is a couple of different scenarios. And the first, of course, is that he's warning this group about those who deliberately lead others into sin. Jesus says it'd be better for them if they had a millstone necklace and went for a swim. And he tells them to watch themselves, and then he gets to the second scenario about sin and forgiveness, and he challenges his disciples to be willing to forgive each other, even if their brother returns seven times a day, and, you know, some translations say 70 times seven. The the point of all of that is don't try to do the math and find the limits and say, well, here's the break point. Uh, The point in that is that Jesus is speaking in hyperbole and he's saying to you, the number is irrelevant. It's the spirit that's important. The spirit of forgiveness, the principle of forgiveness, that's what's important here. So, um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. You know, it's sad that in the life of faith, there are so many people that are looking for the limits, They're looking for the loopholes. They're looking for the boundaries to say, how far can I go and still consider myself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or how much can I get away with and still be saved? How much can I get away with and still be in good standing with the Lord? But you know, that's not the principle that the the word teaches us. The word teaches us that we're to live in righteousness, that we're to abide in holiness, that, that you know, our, our primary focus should not be what can we get away with, but what is my witness to the world around me? As a matter of fact, Paul put it this way, and he says, listen, I'm not worried about my liberties in Christ. What I'm worried about is the testimony, the witness that I'm providing for my brothers and sisters. Because if it, if it leads my brothers astray that I eat the meat offered in the temples to the idols, then I'm not going to eat meat anymore. Even though it's my liberty to do so, I know that my primary concern is to be a witness of the righteousness of Christ. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt for leading people towards righteousness. That's, that's, I'm going to opt for that. So when, and, and here's the thing. When we put these two scenarios together, as Jesus teaches them, what, what we find here is that Jesus is expounding for us an incredibly difficult pill to swallow. Because what he has expounded for us are things that are contrary to our inherent human nature. 
We're, we're not prone to pursuing righteousness. We're not prone, really, to concerning ourselves with people around us. And we're certainly not prone to just having a forgiving spirit. How many of you find, you know, of all the miracles in your life, you would find being granted a forgiving spirit to be one of the greatest, right? We, we like to hang on to stuff. We like to rehearse stuff. We like to rewind it, play it back again, and share it with a few friends so that, you know, we can commiserate together and they can tell us how right we are in the grudge that we hold and all those, all those things, right? Am I, no? Okay, just me. And I, you know, I just pray, Lord, help me with it. Give me faith, right? Right, because we're, we're human. Okay, so, and, and the truth is this. We really do need more faith. We really do need more faith because the reality of life is such that living out the teaching of Christ requires us to be less like us and more like Him. And in order to be like Him, we have to follow Him. And, and what, did, what did Jesus say, Luke's gospel? What are the requirements of following Jesus? If any man will come after me, he's got to first deny himself. I've got to relinquish my right, my, my feelings to get even. I've got to relinquish all the right to be offended. I've got to relinquish all those things that I think are, are, are my rights, but in reality they're contrary to the heart of Christ and say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to trust you in this situation. I'm going to turn this over to you, and I want you to be glorified in me. I'm not worried about getting even. I'm worrying about giving you glory. And that requires faith on our part. It requires faith to make ourselves vulnerable enough to forgive. It requires us to, to stand in faith because in order to be like Christ, to live like Christ, we must be prepared to lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and to live like Christ, we must take on a nature that is often contrary and foreign to our own. And it can be difficult to believe that it's even possible sometimes to do some of the things that Jesus asks us. But that's not a new problem. It's as old as the church. It's as old as mankind and God's interaction with mankind. And here's the beauty of it all, is that Jesus meets us at the point of our doubt, our fear, our weakness, and our sin if we will just simply take a small step of faith. John chapter 20, we have a perfect illustration here of Jesus meeting someone in their season of doubt and imparting to them the thing that was necessary for their faith to be increased. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, we find one of the 12 who was absent at Jesus' post-resurrection appearance. His name is Thomas. It says, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see the hands, the, in, the hands the, in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the prints of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, 
reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. In other words, here's Thomas in a moment of of little faith. But he says, you know what, If, if Jesus will just show me, and you may be here today and you're saying, Lord, just, just, just show me. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus has already shown you. He hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. He bled and died to pardon your sin and to give you victory over death, hell, the grave, and every adversary that you face. And the only thing required for him to show up and walk through the walls of your problem and present himself a reality in your situation is for you to stand in faith in the revealed word of God and say, I don't know where this thing ends, but I know where the next step is, and by faith, I'm going to take it. Okay? So as we continue our passage here, we see that in response to the disciples' plea for an increase of faith, Jesus tells them a parable. And and here's where the plot twist comes in. So Jesus says to him, he said, hey, you know what? This thing you need to be aware of, you you need to live a life of righteousness. You don't need to lead other people astray, and you need to be a forgiving person. And they said, oh, Lord, increase our faith. Some of us right now, we're looking on at some situations in life and we're looking on at some people around us and we're hearing the Lord call us to a spirit of forgiveness and we're saying, Lord, I need you to increase my faith. And if that's you right now, I want you to pay particular heed to what Jesus says next. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. In other words, Jesus says to them, listen, you you don't need some abundance of possession of faith. What you need to do is operate in the faith that you have, regardless of how big, how small. And and here's what I believe the problem is, and and you can can follow along with me here. I don't have this chapter or verse to give you right now. But this is what I believe, and this is according to Steve, so take it for what it's worth, but I've thought about this. I believe that this verse is so important because there are so many people that have made faith the objective of faith. That you, yeah, you need your, if your faith has increased enough, you can, you know, no. Jesus said you need a mustard seed of faith. It's not in the, listen, it's not in the abundance of possession. Because if you never operate in faith, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, faith without works is dead. But faith stood in, operated in, even the size of a mustard seed is powerful because Jesus will come and meet you at the point that you take the first step of faith. Jesus is there to meet you, to supply you with what you need to move forward in faith. Does that make sense? Listen, and, and here's, here's where it really gets tight. Because what we're going to hear next is not the gentle, compassionate Jesus that we're always used to hearing. He says, And which one of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come in 
at once. Sit down and eat. But he will not, will, will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded to him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which, were, which you were commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants and we have done what was our duty to do. Let me, can I modernize this text for you? Because none of us, I don't think, have household servants here this morning. So let me, let me just ask you this. How many of you this afternoon are going to go to the restaurant and you're, you're going to walk in, you're going to sit down, you're going to say to the serve staff, hey, why don't you come here and join me for lunch? Just, just come on, get in here with me, let's eat to our field. No, rather what you're going to do is you're going to walk in with the expectation that they're going to come there, they're going to ask you what you want to drink, they're going to ask you if you want an appetizer, they're going to ask you if you want an entree, they're going to bring it all out to the table for you, they're going to come back with refills, and if they don't, you're going to be Christ-like. And you're still going to tip well because tipping is a reflection of you, not of them. We're not going to walk in there and say, no, no, just, just come on, forget about it, sit here. What Jesus is saying is, listen, you know, and, and when it's all over with, we're not going to stand up and applaud and say, hey, you know what? You were the best server I have ever had. Hey, I want everybody in this restaurant to know this is a... No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to say these people have done a good job. They did their job. They did what I expected of them to do. Many of you, you know, you're going to show up to work tomorrow. You're going to go in. You're going to fulfill your job description. And, you know, if you were to walk in to your employer and say, Hey, I did my job. What do I get as a reward? they'd say payroll runs next week. <laughs> They're not throwing a party for you. There's no promotion necessarily in line just because you did what is expected of you to do. You just do it, right? You just walk in that faith. And that, that's kind of the context Jesus is setting up here. They're saying, oh, Lord, you want us to forgive people. You want us to walk in righteousness. Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus says, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you say to this mountain, be moved. You say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would be. But, you know, I think Jesus strikes a nerve here for us. Because while the disciples are fretting about having more faith in their lives, Jesus is quick to remind them that how powerful even the tiniest amount of faith can be because the truth be told today of us that we don't need exorbitantly more faith. We just simply need to operate in the faith that we have. They're, they're saying we need more and more and more, and he's saying, but actually, if you just walk in what you've got. Listen, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, and some of you have heard enough sermons to save Pitt County. Right? You've got enough. And then we come to the B part, and then the parable comes about the boss and the employee. And the, in the parable, it sounds like the servant is seeking extra kudos and accolades for doing his job. And actually, this is something we can all relate to because many of us have jobs, and we just simply do what's required or what's been asked of us to do. And there's no party, there's no promotion that's waiting for us every time we do a simple day's work. 
We're just doing our duty. And Jesus is saying here, listen, the duty of the child of God is to just live and operate by faith. We sometimes, sometimes I believe that we never exercise faith at all because we're not really looking to exercise the size of a mustard seed's faith. We're wanting to do something so grand and so extraordinary that all the eyes turn to us and everybody says, wow, what a great man, what a great woman of faith. Wow, what incredible faith they have. I was reminded earlier of one, one man, there was, there was a pastor who was sitting in a congregation. He said the preacher was standing up and he said, he said, my faith has gotten me a Learjet. What has your faith got you? And he said, I wanted so bad to stand up and shout out, my faith delivered me from the vanity of wanting one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so actually, you know, when Jesus says it like this, it, it, it sounds kind of harsh, and it, it doesn't sound like that compassionate, grace-filled Jesus we're used to, but let me show you the disconnect here. And here's the crux of what I think Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. I think he's saying that they have all the faith they need, and I think he would say to us in this generation, we have the faith we need. We're, we're like the widow's oil. When, when the man of God came through and she was facing a, a great, a great, terrible situation, they didn't say, listen, you need to sit here and you need to pray for a resource outside of yourself. No, the, the man of God said, hey, what's in your house? What's in your house? And today as you're facing things in the new year, as you're facing obstacles, as you're facing challenges, I just want to ask you today, what's in your heart? What, what's in your heart? What, what do you know about the faithfulness of God? What do you know about the character and the nature of God? What do you know of the promises of God? And I'm telling you today that if you have a mustard seed's faith in the promise of God, that today you can stand and you can begin to see God do great and extraordinary things in your life because your faith is not in your faith. Your faith is in the resurrected Son of God who has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave and is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that you ask or think. Okay. I also think that Jesus is identifying that faith is such a normal part of the kingdom that when we're exercising faith, we're just doing our duty. Obviously, it would be great if there was a party or promotion following every small good deed and every time we trust Jesus throughout the day, you know. Pastor Lisa and I have a couple of dogs and every time they go out and come back in, they expect a treat. And I've, you know, she and I have had great debates about this because I'm like, you know, that's really just a natural function. I don't know if it's treat worthy. <laughs> right? I mean, but they stand there and yell and demand it, you know. And, and I, th I think there's some of us like that. Like, we do the smallest little thing by faith and we just expect everybody to jump up and applaud and, and, and just, oh, it's so good. And the simple truth is that faith is oxygen in the lungs of those that believe. Faith brings us to life. It sustains us. It raises us up when everything around us is falling apart. And Jesus teaches them that mountains are moved by mustard seed-sized faith. 
And, and maybe you and I don't need a substantial increase in what we already have. Maybe we simply need to recognize that there's more than enough faith in the kingdom and every scenario that we may face, we have enough faith, we have the measure of faith that we need for that moment in life. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Some of us want to know how many steps are in the staircase, the square footage of the mezzanine, the rooms that are there available to us, and the contents of those rooms before we're willing to even take the first step. But when we know that Jesus has called us, sometimes he calls us out to an inheritance that we know not of, but like Abraham, he calls us out on a promise and he calls us out on faith and we've got to take that first step even if we don't know where the whole staircase leads. And, and maybe you need to take a first step today. Maybe, maybe you need to start, stop staring at your problems and telling God how immensely huge it is, is all is and maybe you need to start telling your problems how immensely amazing your God is. Maybe, maybe a tiny mustard seed of faith is all it takes to move a mountain. Maybe the challenge for us today is not finding an exceedingly greater amount of faith than we had, but rather exercising the faith that we do have. And today I want to challenge you without any fanfare, expectation of recognition, without any title or position, you know, that we get up and we live the life of faith to which we've been called. And I know... We all have those mountains in our lives. But I also know, as we've seen today, that we have more than enough faith through Jesus Christ for anything that comes our way. As I said in the beginning of our time, we, we've all asked for more faith at some point in our lives. And it's not wrong to ask. We should ask. It's, it's never a waste of time to spend time in the presence of the Lord. So I've got, I've got to preface what I'm about to say by saying this. You're never wasting time at an altar. You're, you're never wasting time in a posture of prayer and calling out to God and drawing near to Him and drawing strength from Him. But can I tell you this, that faith doesn't grow just because you spend time in prayer asking for it. Your muscle mass will not grow because you sit in a recliner eating Lay's potato chips wishing that your muscles would form. It's not how it works. They form because you get up and you enact them. And you work with them. Faith is a muscle it must be exercised in order to grow. If you want an increase of faith, it requires that you operate in the faith that you have. That's the only way for it to grow. You're not going to get it just waiting at an altar and saying, Lord, increase my faith, increase my faith, increase my faith. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what God is going to give you in response to the request, Lord, increase my faith? A greater challenge so that you can then thereby exercise the faith that you have. Life is difficult. 
and oftentimes the scenarios we face feel completely overwhelming and debilitating. But I also believe it's important, so important to remember the truths that Jesus is reminding us of today. We are, we are ambassadors, we are conquerors, we are agents of reconciliation, and we will constantly be facing situations that require more than we think we can handle. At the same time, we're a community of faith, by faith, and empowered by the Spirit to do and accomplish all the things that we've been called to do. Let me, I gotta, I gotta call time out here real quick because I wanna tell you something. I believe that this same principle applies to a lot of people who spend a lifetime expecting to arrive at a destiny or to find a purpose that one day they're gonna search long enough, they're gonna pray hard enough, and all of a sudden this this huge door of opportunity is just going to open in front of them and they're just going to walk right through let me let me tell you how you find destiny and how you find purpose because a lot of people think to themselves I will reach my destiny I will find my purpose when somebody hands me the microphone I'm able to address the crowd I'm able to do this or I'm able to have this title or this position or, or all these things that's that's not how you find destiny how you find destiny is getting up day after day after day and being faithful to what God has put in front of you in that moment. And, and as you are faithful to move in and operate by faith in the opportunities that God is presenting that day, it may be a conversation with a stranger that leads you eventually to addressing the masses. It may be serving in the nursery that leads you into the youth ministry. It may be greeting at the door that leads you into something else. But it never goes straight from where you are to the thing that you can think is the most grandiose thing you can be doing. You've got to be faithful and you've got to take those small steps of faith. You've got to get on the staircase even if you don't know what's at the top. I'm reminded that mountains are moved by a mustard seed of faith. I'm also reminded that my lack of faith, my doubts and my fears are normal. And I don't know about you, but this simple shift in perspective gives me a jolt of encouragement today. That I don't even necessarily have to feel filled with faith. I can just simply know the word of the Lord and move in a, in a measure of faith in the truth of the word. Even, even someone like Thomas, the disciple, struggled with him. And, and the same Thomas who went on to evangelize a nation with the gospel of Jesus. And I want to ask you today, what is God calling you to? What, what step of faith do you need to take today? What scenarios in your life feel absolutely overwhelming in this moment? And I encourage you again to remember that we are a community of faith, by faith, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to do and accomplish all that we've been called to do and accomplish and to be. And it's not our possession of faith, it's our exercise of faith that's going to make the difference in our lives. So I want to invite you to stand all over this congregation today. You have been so amazing. It is such a privilege to come here week after week and minister the gospel, and I pray that it's encouraging to you and building of your faith. 
and your trust in the things of the Lord. But I pray that it gives you the perspective to see God moving in your lives. And that regardless of how daunting the landscape seems before you, you leave this place every week with a fresh word that helps you understand that Jesus is going before you, that his angels are encamped round about you, that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.